So we've been talking about Christmas hymns that we sing this time of the year, songs that, that sing of the good news of Jesus' birth, songs that put to music the drama of Mary and Joseph, angels and shepherds, magi, a star, Bethlehem, a manger. We not only need to hear, we need to sing this news, this beautiful story. But the Christmas story doesn't begin in a manger in Bethlehem or home in Nazareth. It starts earlier than the news proclaimed to shepherds. It begins before the angel Gabriel's announcement to Mary, prior to Joseph's dream. Christmas begins in the heart of God and God's desire to live with God's creation. Which is why today we look at the hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And the worth singing news that in Jesus Christ, God chose to become flesh in order to live among us. And because of this, because of Jesus, we know exactly what God is like. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, grow us, transform us, that we might live for you and bear fruit for your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture readings this morning comes from the, come from the Gospel of John, from the first chapter, and then from Colossians, also the first chapter. I invite you to listen for God's word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word became flesh and made his home among us. We have seen his glory, glory like that of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. And then from Colossians, chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. The son is the image of the invisible God, the one who is first over all creation, because all things were created by him, both in the heavens and on the earth, the things that are visible and the things that are invisible. Whether they are thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He existed before all things, and all things are held together in him. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the one who is firstborn from among the dead, so that he might occupy first place in everything. Because all the fullness of God was pleased to live in him. And he reconciled all things to himself through him, whether things on earth or in the heavens, he brought peace through his blood of his cross. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Hark the herald, angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Except that's not how it went originally. Hark how the welkin rings, glory to the king of kings. That's what Charles Wesley wrote in the middle of the 18th century following a conversion experience that he had. These words, to me, sound more like that they should be sung by elves living in Middle Earth in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, right? What is a welkin? Well, it's an old-fashioned word that refers to the vault of the sky or, or all the heavens. So it's actually a, a beautiful expression of the totality of the universe of the cosmos praising God. But apparently somewhere along the line there was someone and that someone was Charles's friend George Whitfield 
We said to Wesley, you know, maybe you want to make that a little more simple for us common folk. <laughs> and, and so it became, hark the herald angels sing. And, and the rest of this beautiful and just theologically dense hymn captures the, the mystery and, and the tension of heaven come to earth, of God uh, becoming human, of the invisible becoming visible. About the God whose uh, abode was in, in the welkin came to dwell on earth with us. It's that part of the hymn, it, it's that part of the hymn that we focus on today. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased with us in flesh to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. There is in those words like the same sense of, of mystery and wonder and, and how can this be? Because the words of scripture they're based on. In the beginning was the word and, and the word was with God and the word was God. And the word became flesh and made his home among us. For the Son is the image of the invisible God. All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Him, to live in Him. Just, just let that sit with you for a minute. Just let that sit with you for a minute. Let's just sit in that, in that mystery. All the fullness of God was pleased to live in Jesus, and Jesus was pleased to live with us. The in the beginning word that created everything into being that was with God, that was God, actually took on flesh, became human to dwell on the earth that he created. The God whose scripture, scripture says all the heavens cannot contain. The one who made heaven and earth, the one who, whose love reaches to the heavens, whose faithfulness stretches to the clouds, the one whose throne is, is built upon righteousness and justice, the one before whom mountains melt like wax. That God, the one true God, was pleased to make God's self known, was fully in Christ Jesus, put on flesh, lived with us. Now, in the past, God had dwelt with God's people, just not in flesh, blood, living, breathing human person. In the Old Testament, uh, Moses experienced the presence of God in a burning bush. God's people experienced God's presence with them in the form of a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of cloud, a pillar of fire by night. After being liberated from slavery in Egypt, God journeyed with them in the wilderness. In fact, God's people constructed a tabernacle, a, a kind of holy tent for the presence of God to live in as they travel. But but no one ever saw God. They knew something of what God was like because they had experienced God's acts of deliverance, God's provision, God's power. And on one occasion when Moses was on the, on the mountain receiving the law from God, he tells God that he wants to see God's glorious presence. He wants to see God's glorious presence. And God tells him that God will make God's goodness pass in front, but that neither Moses nor anyone else could see God's face and live. So, so God puts Moses in the gap of a rock and covers Moses with God's hand while God passes by, allowing Moses only to catch a glimpse of God's back. In other words, God veils God's presence so that, God, so that Moses can actually see it without harm. The, um, the amazing good news that this hymn proclaims is that we can see 
and behold God's glory and all of who God is and exactly what God is like in the person of Jesus Christ. We can know God. Not in a pillar of fire, not in a pillar of cloud, not hid behind a rock catching God's back. The real one true God veiled in flesh doesn't mean God disguised God's self or hid behind humanness, making it harder for us to understand and know God. It means that in Jesus, human beings can, can actually approach God and experience who God is and truly live. In Jesus, we behold, we, we get a front row seat to the, all the nature and glory of God. It is by looking at Jesus that we discover exactly who God is and what God is like. We therefore discover a God we can know and trust. Earlier this week, it was just one of those days in a house with three kids trying to get ready for, for Christmas. Toys everywhere, dishes in the sink, dishes on the counter, dining room that looks more like a playroom. Kids in bed for 30 minutes, but still yelling through the monitor. Um, I'm starting to put some stuff away, and and Lauren takes takes the phone and starts narrating and filming like documentary style what our life is like right now, going room by room of the downstairs. I want us to, to have this to, to show and remind us of what life was like uh, at this stage during Christmas, during a pandemic. It's a beautiful life. It's a messy life, she concluded the narration. But that's why we take video or pictures or write something down, isn't it? To show what something was like or, or is like. We said our life was crazy during this phase. Here's the proof. See the video. That's the big reason why when we started Village Church Rollsville, from the jump, we live streamed our worship services on Facebook. Because people could watch them and see what our worship and what our church is like. You want to know what Village Church Rollsville is like? Watch a worship service. You know how in a dictionary sometimes you'll, you'll come to a word, and in addition to the definition of that word, there might be a line that tells you for more, see this other word, because that other word will help fill out the meaning. Like last week, I, I looked up the definition of compassion, for example, and in addition to saying an awareness of someone else's distress and a desire to alleviate it, it said, see sympathy. With God and Jesus Christ, with the word made flesh, it, it's like beside the definition of God and all God's character traits, it says, see Jesus. See Jesus Christ. Because that's the best way to get to know and love God. Because of, because of Jesus, we don't have to worry, we don't have to wonder, we don't have to live in the dark about what God is like. As one New Testament scholar put it, Jesus is the for example of God. Jesus is the for example of God. As a pastor, one of the tasks that I, that I do uh, is service of death and resurrection when someone passes away. An important part of that is actually sitting down with the families to learn about what their loved one was like, to hear stories shared. I may have known them, I may have known about them, but not to the same degree that relatives do. And you know, I, I can't recall a, a single conversation with a family where a relative has said, you know, so-and-so was so funny, and just stop there. Or, you know, so-and-so was so incredibly generous, 
period just, and just stop there. Now, what usually follows is a for example or a for instance story, something that would prove or tangibly demonstrate how the person was generous or funny, a story that puts flesh on that particular character trait. You know, so-and-so was so generous. For example, one time I remember, and then a story is shared, or, or her sense of humor was so great, just so witty and dry. For example, I remember one day she came in, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Jesus is the for example, or the for instance of God. You know, it's one thing to say God is powerful and God is all-knowing and God is good and God is righteous, but, but that's still kind of in the abstract. Jesus makes it concrete. God is great. For example, Jesus defeated death and rose on the third day. God is good. For instance, once Jesus told a Samaritan woman at the well that he offered living water that would never run out. God is strong. For example, Jesus cast out demons and calmed the storm. God is welcoming. For example, Jesus invited sinners and tax collectors to eat with him. God is forgiving. For example, Jesus forgave those who were executing him. God is loving. For instance, Jesus washed his disciples' feet and was willing to die on a cross for us. God is just. For, for example, Jesus drove out money changers from the temple and called out the religious leaders oppressing the people. God is compassionate. For example, Jesus noticed a woman, sensed a woman who had touched his robe, wanting to be healed, and she was healed. God is holy. For instance, Jesus uh, cured people on the Sabbath and lived a life without sin. You see, we, we don't have to wonder and speculate about what God is like because of Jesus. And the more we look at Jesus, the more and more we realize that the true God is the God of utter and complete self-giving love who wants to be in relationship with us. A God we can trust completely. When we look at Jesus, when we consider Jesus in him, we behold all the fullness of what it means to be God. When we hail, when we worship Jesus, we worship the God of heaven and earth. And it is in the very taking up of human frailty and flesh and dwelling with us that we have seen God's glory. Here's the kicker. To add to this good news, God was pleased with us to dwell. All the fullness of God was pleased to live in Jesus, as Colossians says. Not begrudgingly, not under threat or compulsion. In Jesus, God has freely chosen to dwell with us, like us, in a broken world. In the, in the Old Testament book of 2 Samuel, there's this great scene where David tells God that he wants to build God a temple. And God says to David, David, ever since my people Israel were wandering in the wilderness, did I ever ask them to build me a temple? No, I dwelt with them in a tent. Why? Because God's people were in tents. They were wandering in, in the wilderness, traveling constantly. And when God commanded a place to be built that would represent God's real presence with God's people, God asked for a tent. And so God says to David, when my people were in tents, I came and dwelt in a big tent right in the middle of them. 
Well, friends, Jesus does something even greater than that. He comes and dwells with us, in the middle of us, as a human, as a God-man, fully inhabiting our experience, living among us as one of us. In Jesus, God not only goes where we, where we go, not only goes where God's people go, but is who we are. And God was pleased to do so. Lawrence Houseman captures this beautifully in, in a poem. Light, look down and behold darkness. There will I go, say, said light. Peace, look down and behold war. There will I go, said peace. Love, look down and, be, and, and beheld hatred. There will I go, said love. So light came and shone. So came peace and gave rest. So came love and brought life. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hark, listen, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, because when we behold him from a baby that came out of Mary to life itself bursting out of a tomb, we behold nothing less than God. We know exactly what God is like. And when we greet him and praise him and worship him, whether a baby in a manger or a man upon a cross, we greet, we praise, we worship God Almighty. So with the angelic hosts, let us proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Let us sing the news that begins in the heart of a God we can know and trust. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.